Bible, go with me to the book of James, chapter 3. James 3. Now, we've been talking about the School of Freedom, guys. And last week, if you were here, if you weren't here, I encourage you to get that CD because we talked about judgment. And Jesus himself said, with how you judge, you're going to be judged. And how you condemn is how you're going to be condemned. And actually in Galatians 6, 7, it says that as, as a man sows, he's going to reap whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. And so these are the things that we've, we've been battling and, and learning about here. And so I'm telling you guys, let God move in your life. Give him access to you and watch what he'll do. And so the Bible has a lot to say about oaths, these inner vows. And, and we make these inner vows throughout our lives. And if they're from a negative view, they become very unhealthy. Unhealthy for actually destruction will come with these. And many times we think, well, this is just typical. This is just an innocence. There's nothing wrong with these. But once again, when these inner vows begin to get on the inside of us, they will have lasting effects and lasting impact on your life. Now we're going to learn a little bit more today. Just to keep us moving forward in this, because I believe that God's going to set us free, where we're going to walk in some victory. Amen? James 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Now, I want to highlight the word judgment there just for a minute. You know, Jesus came and he died for us since he does want to bring salvation but every one of us, guys, the day's coming. Every one of us, we're going to stand before the Lord and be judged for the things we've done. And so in this reading right here, that he says, man, you, you better think twice about wanting to be a teacher of the Word of God because you're going to be held to a stricter judgment. Now, every time I read that, guys, I'm very aware of what that verse says. And I realize there's going to be a day I'm going to stand before Jesus for everything I preach. And so... I'm going to preach the Word. I'm going to preach the Bible. And if it offends you, get mad at Jesus, okay? Because I fear Him a lot more than I fear you guys. I like you guys, but I fear Him a lot more, okay? So I'm going to preach the Word because I realize if I'll just preach the Word, the truth will set you free, the Word will get on the inside of you, but I can rest a lot better at night knowing the day that I stand before Jesus instead of saying, listen, you goofball, why don't you preach what you wanted? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. So that's just a little side note. That's not what we're talking about. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. We stumble, we fall, and actually we've even become offended in many, many things. He goes on to say this. If anyone does not stumble in word, if he doesn't say the wrong thing, he is a perfect man. And that word perfect there, as a believer, denotes maturity. He is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now, he says here, if he doesn't say the wrong thing, he is able to curb his entire nature. The message says he is in perfect control of his life. If what? If we learn to control this little thing right here called our tongue. And that little thing you find out, out of it will either come life or death or blessing or cursing. And every one of us, we have to deal with this thing called our tongue. 
Now, when we talk about the judgments, even the judgments, guys, that we talked about last week, I have to watch my heart in that. Because I realize as I judge others, I'm going to be judged. And so all week, man, actually for a couple weeks now, while we've been talking about this, I'm telling you, man, the Lord has put a guard on my tongue. And, and at times I feel like a silencer. My mouth is wanting to say stuff, and thank God, God's helping me not to, because so many times in our life, as human beings, you know what we do? We speak before we think. We just like a Gatling gun, and we start speaking things. And so, man, this is what happens when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, where you'll get that on the inside, and, man, things will get ready to jump out, and you think about what you're going to say, and you realize, I can't do that. And so the Lord's been dealing with me in this, and, and I talked about this in a little first service. But one of the areas, and my wife will tell you, that most of the time in my life, I'm just pretty steady. But you put me behind the steering wheel of a car? Oh, and she'll tell you, I grow fangs. Man, I get really, 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 really aggressive. And so, you know, you can even be judgmental when you're driving the car. And so, man, there's times, man, my mouth is wanting to say stuff. But, oh, thank God I hadn't. I've been watching what I said. And, and a few weeks back, my grandson was with me. And I made this comment. I said, go, stupid. And he said, Poppy, who's stupid? And I thought, oh, Lord, you got to help me. you got to help me. And so even in these areas, guys, in our life, if we're not careful, we just spout. We get used to just speaking. This is what he's talking about. Actually, one of the best verses every one of us can tattoo on our heart is James 1.19. Write that down. You know what it says? Be swift to hear and slow to speak. And when he says be slow to speak, he's not talking about having a West Texas draw where you speak real slow. He's talking about you better learn to think before you open your mouth because those words are impacting. And if you're a person who talks a lot, you're going to find out in life, People will start disappearing from your presence. If you find out that people are ignoring you or don't want to be around you, it's a good sign you talk too much. And I'm already hurting some of your feelings, aren't I? It's going to help us. I promise you. Look over a couple pages to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Actually, James is so full of stuff on our tongues, it's unbelievable because I think he realized that he wanted to tell us there's a lot that rides on what we say. James 5, verse 12. But above all my brethren, us as believers, our brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath or vow, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, Least you fall into judgment. Oh, man, that hurt already. And so right here, just through the scriptures, he's telling us once again that, that I got to watch the words that come out of my mouth. I cannot get over and just begin to speak because guess what? Many times I'm going to fall under judgment. Now, I found a, a list of some of the, the most powerful inner vows that we as human beings say. And there's eight of them. Now, what happens with these inner vows is when we begin to say them, if not careful, we become more committed to that vow than to honoring God. You say something, I'll never do this again 
Many times that binds our heart so much that it's more important to us to fulfill that vow than to honor what God says. Now listen to some of these vows. And, and what happens with these is you'll either become exactly like the vow you've said or you'll become totally opposite. The first one is, no one will ever hurt me again. The second one is, I'll never be vulnerable again to anyone. Now, normally those right there are based off of something that someone's done something, or somebody's done something to us. They've hurt us in a way, so we said, I'll never be hurt again. I'll never be vulnerable again. So what happens when we get that mindset is we literally put an invisible wall around us. And we don't let anybody in. And we do it to protect ourselves. We keep everybody at arm's way. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. But literally what happens is when we live that way, we live in bondage. It begins to suffocate us. And, And I'm not saying what people have done to you haven't hurt you, but when you begin to live with like that, I'm going to tell you, it's going to get you. Have you ever lived that way? I have. I've said out of my mouth as a pastor, I'll never allow people to, to hurt me again like that. And so what happens is you go through life and you're always looking. Are they going to hurt me? Are they going to hurt me? Well, I can't go that way. I just got to begin to trust God and say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love people and I'm not going to live that way. The third one, listen to this. And this is an interesting one. I'll never be poor like my parents. Wow. Now that's, that's usually stated from resentment. That they, they were upset by what they did not have in life. This, these are true inner vows, guys. The, the fourth one is I'll never fall in love again. Sounds like a rap, doesn't it? Or a song, a love song. Maybe I'll just bust a rap for you guys. A little Lecrae this morning. That bless you. I'll never fall in love again. You know what that's based off? You've been hurt in a relationship. And you said, not going to happen. Listen to this one. I'll never trust again. Why? Because somebody brought distrust to you. Now, these next two that I'm going to read... These are ones that you'll see a lot of times. If you make this vow, you'll live totally opposite of what you made. The sixth one is, I'll never be strict with my children. I'll never be strict. You know what that usually is based off? That when you were growing up, you had a parent that was very, very strict to you, and you didn't like it. And so when looking at these, I read a story where there was a woman who this happened growing up, Her mother and father would never allow her to go to school if her bed wasn't made and her room wasn't picked up. Now that's not strict. That's just helping you not be an idiot growing up in life. And so they're just teaching you. But in this girl's life, as it went on, she was not allowed to go outside and play until all the dishes were done over and over and over. So she made a vow out of her mouth and said, I'll never be strict on my children. So she gets married and has children. And guess what? She lets her kids do everything they want. Never corrects them. Never disciplines them. Well, it begins to have problems in her marriage. Her husband was like, I can't keep living this way. We've got to begin to do something. She would not. And guess what? Ultimately, because of the inner vow she made, it ruined her marriage. It ruined her marriage. Listen to this one. 
I'm going to give my children everything. In other words, that's usually made from a statement because growing up, I did without some things, so I'm going to give my children everything. Listen to the last one. I'll never let my spouse treat me like that. I'll never let my wife do that to me again. Now, please don't show your hands here. I'll raise my hands. How many of you have ever said stuff like that? Don't. That's me. I've done that. And I've said stuff out of my mouth. And, and before long, you know what you find yourself doing? When an issue rises up, that inner vow comes out. And you know what you say? I'll never, I'll never let Shelly do that to me again. Pastor, have you done that? Absolutely. And there's consequences with that. Because what happens, these are self-oriented commitments. And they're made in response to what people have done to us, experiences, or desires in our life. Now, right there in James 5.12, that verse is cross-referenced back to Matthew 5. Go with me to Matthew 5, and this is some of the stuff Jesus has to say about this. Now, what happens here, guys, turn to Matthew 5, is these inner vows, they begin to set into motion in our lives when we do them, dysfunction and misery. And, And they claim statistically, that most bizarre and destructive behaviors can almost always be found back to an inner vow. Almost every time they go back to an inner vow. Now, look what Jesus says here, in starting in verse number 33. Matthew 5, 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. You shall not swear falsely. A vow's binding. That's why he's telling us, man, when I start, when I start making those, bow, those vows, guys, it binds something in my heart. But you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. In other words, if you're going to do something, focus it to the Lord. The message says it this way. Don't say anything you don't mean because it will become embedded deep into your traditions. Verse 34. But I say to you, Do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. So you know what he's telling us here? Don't bind yourself by these oaths or these vows. Verse 37. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Now that's twice we've heard that. In other words, don't try to manipulate with your words. Why? Now look at this last part. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Whatever is is more than these becomes from the evil one. So when it comes from the evil one, it's going to be self-centered and self-focused. It's going to try to begin to suffocate you. Now the issues behind these vows right here is I vow myself to them... And I take away God's influence in my life. In other words, I set my own course because of what I vowed. And most of the time, these are off of judgment and resentment. Now go back, way back into the Old Testament. You're going to go to Genesis, then Exodus, and then Leviticus. Go to Leviticus chapter 5. And I want to show you a couple things right here in the Bible, right here in the Word of God that you'll begin to see this 
Because when these vows start directing your life, God isn't. When I begin to live by these vows, I begin to live under an opposition to God. Leviticus chapter 5, begin with me in verse number 4. It says, or if a person swears. You know what that word swear is? That means a vow, or it means to give one's word to bind himself with an oath. So this is what we do. I'll never. And so this is what it's talking about. If, or if a person swears, listen to this, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good. And so it says here with the message that you impulsively swear to do something, whether good or bad. Impulsively. So what happens when something comes around? And we just impulsively begin to spout off. So look what he goes on to say. Whatever is that of a man named pronounced by an oath, he is unaware of it. And when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. He doesn't realize it. So many times in our life we begin to speak things and we don't even realize what we're saying. But when we do realize it, He says that ultimately you're going to be found guilty. When I'm found guilty of something, I'm going to be guilty of either speaking a curse out of my mouth or a blessing. How do you know that? Proverbs 18, 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so you're either going to be speaking blessing or cursing. So this is what he begins to get over with right here. That if you you, you say thoughtlessly things out of your lips, there's consequences for it. Once again, i got to get back and begin to think what's coming out of my mouth. Now turn over to the next book, and that's the book of Numbers, chapter 30. Leviticus, then Numbers, chapter 30. Now let me give you another little illustration of this. There was a woman who was growing up, 17 years old, and she couldn't stand living in her home because she felt like her mother was very controlling. That my mother just suffocated me and suffocated me. She starts dating this guy. And at 18, she gets pregnant. Her goal to get pregnant was to get out of the house so her mother couldn't control her no more. She gets married, ultimately, has the baby. Three years into the marriage, they begin to have huge issues in their marriage. And so the husband breaks the news to her and says, I'm contemplating divorce. She says, we need to go see our pastor and get some marriage counseling. They go. The pastor says, what's the problem? And the husband says, she's very controlling. That's all she does is control me. Remember, she had made the vow, I'm getting out of my mom's house because she's not going to control me. In other words, no one's going to control me again. The pastor looks at her and says, is that true? And she said, that's true. She said, I do that over and over and over. And she said, I don't even know why I do it. The husband raised his hand and said, can I tell you why you do it? And she said, yeah. He said, your grandmother's very controlling. Your mother's very controlling. And your three sisters are all very controlling. So you're controlling. So guess what happened? Not only had she made the vow, I won't be controlled. Now she begins to operate in it. But actually, this is tied back to what we could even call a generational curse. From grandma to mama, to all the sisters. And the husband looked and said, you're so controlling 
just like all your, your mother, your grandmother, and your sisters, and your grandfather, your father, and all my brother-in-laws, they bow to it. He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so she said, I want help. I don't like living. Do you know their marriage made it? But what happens over a period of time, we look at these things that they're innocent. They're typical. There's no hurt, but there is. Look here at Numbers 30, verse 1. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord, or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement or pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So you know what he's telling us? Your words are very sacred. You better make sure what you're vowing, what you're swearing. Look over to the very next book, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23. Deuteronomy 23. And as you're turning there, statistically it says 70% of all men and women that are angry or mad about something in life is usually tied to an inner vow. That someone has mistreated them, that someone has taken advantage of them, that someone's betrayed them, cheated on them, or even lied about them. And so think about this right now. Seven out of every ten of us in this room are bound by some inner vow. And when these inner vows bind us, guess what? We're not hurting Father God. We're hurting ourselves. is what ends up happening. And so once again, I'm not saying the things that have happened to us weren't wrong But what I am saying, if I do not begin to renounce this and understand I begin to live exactly the way I vowed or judged others, man, I'm going to tell you, it's going to cause great pain and hurt. Deuteronomy 23, verse 23. That which has gone from your lips, you shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God, What you have promised with your mouth. Wow. Wow. He uses the word there voluntarily. You know what? Every word that me and you speak out of our mouth, no one holds a gun to my head and says, speak that. I do it voluntarily. So over and over today, guess what we've seen? Even through James, through all these, I'm responsible for the things that I've said. Now, it's interesting he uses the word vow here. What happens to a tree over time that the wind blows out of the southwest on it? Before long, that tree is going to bend into that direction that the wind has come out of. Not because it wants to, it's just what happens day after day. See, that's what happens to us when we make these vows that before long, you begin to bend in the very direction that you spoke. And many times... It's the very things that I don't like. Now I want to show you one more passage today. And this is the one that's going to help us. John chapter 5. Go back into the New Testament. John chapter 5. And as you're turning there, be, be real honest with yourself today. Real honest with yourself right now. Do you see areas in your life? Your actions? your behaviors, even your attitudes that you have been gravitating toward 
year after year after year after year, and they may, may be things that you don't dislike. They may be things that you cannot stand that took place in somebody else's life, but before long, you see yourself gravitating toward them. You know what that's usually a result of, I believe, is these inner vows that we've said. That I start becoming the very thing I despised. John 5, verse 1. After this, there's a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there's in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people. A great multitude. You know, that's a bunch of folk. Blind and lame and paralyzed waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So guess what's happening here? This great multitude would come by this pool at Bethesda and year after year, day after day, day after month, they were hoping for some big thing to happen so everything in their life would be made well. But day by day by day by day, life was passing them by. And so they put all their hope on this one great big event. Now keep reading here with me in verse 5. Now there was a certain man was there who had an infirmity, a deep-seated or lingering disorder, for 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years. So you know what? I believe not. I can't tell you exactly how many years, but there's a lot of years in his life. He's been hanging around that pool. He's been waiting for that big day, year by year by year, and his life is passing him by. Verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already, or had already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want... Now, Jesus here, he understands this guy's been in this situation for a long, long time. And Jesus asked him this question. And guys, every time I read this passage, it's interesting. Jesus sees the guy and sees the conditions in and says, Hey, Bubba, you want to be made well? Duh. What do you think? What do you think? But really, Jesus is asking him the question, do you like the way your life's going? And I believe a lot of times that's the way he wants to say to us, do you like the way your life's going? Because if you do, there's nothing I can do for you, but if you don't, there are some things. So look at the man's response in the very next verse. So the sick man answered Jesus, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming in, another steps down before me. Now, I believe Jesus is sitting, sitting looking at him and saying, Dude, just answer the question. But the guy answers the question, and he pulls out this excuse list. And he said, Listen, I don't have anybody to help me. They've all turned their back on me. I don't have any friends anymore. There's no one here that can help me. And so guess what I believe has happened with him. He's now become a person who's a victim. 
He's got a victim mentality. He stays in a perpetual state of a pity party. Interesting, huh? Now, if you look at Jesus' response, Jesus says to him, Dude, I'm with you, man. Life's not fair. If anybody should be healed, it's you. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say any of that. But think about this. For 38 years, this guy's been this way. And he knows when that angel steps in and that water starts moving, something's fixing to happen. Now, in my life, in your life, when I really want something to happen, man, if I'll go for it, I mean, if I'll go for it, things will happen. But if I sit back and wait for everything in my life or some big event, I may wait my whole life. So, you know, when I read this, you know what I think? This guy's lame in his legs. But you know what I can believe even though he's lame in his legs? I believe he can scoot. I believe he can crawl. And every time I read it, I think that in my life, if I was in that situation, you know what I'd do? I would get up as close to that pool as I could. I would get on the bank. I would have some fingers in it. And when that stuff started moving, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I'd be in. I'd roll over in that. I don't care what it took. I would think, I'm not going to spend another year of my life looking like this and being like this. And so Jesus says to him in the next verse, he said, get up, rise up and walk. In other words, do you want to stay in this mess in your life or do you want to live life to its fullest? And so each one of us, guess what? We may not have been dealt the greatest hand in life. You may come from a dysfunctional family. Well, welcome to the NFL. You may come from, from, from divorced parents. You may have had divorce. But guess what? The things that happen to us in life, if we begin to make vows about it, we're going to ultimately live that way. And stay that way. And we're never going to experience life. So you know what the guy does ultimately? He listens to what Jesus says and he gets up and he walks. And I believe that's what Jesus wants us to do. And if we'll heed what Jesus tells us to do, we'll walk. If we don't, we're going to be by the pool 38 years. We're going to stay in it. And so once again, I could go around the room and every one of us in here have had issues. We've had things that happen. Maybe you had a mother that was controlling. But are you, have you become controlling? Maybe you're a person that, that's had somebody uh, who, who, who distrusted. They put junk in you over and over and you said, I'll never trust again. See, these are the things that happen to us. And I believe every one of us need to put a file in our heart. You know what our file says? I don't understand all this, Lord. But you know what I do understand? I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to do what you said. And when I trust the Lord and do what He said, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to repent. And I'm going to have to say, okay, Father God, I've been in this state long enough. It's time for me to rise up. It's time for me to get up. It's time for me to walk. It's time for me to live again. Because guess what? If you don't make that stand next year at this time, you're going to be in the same boat. And the next year, and guess what you'll begin to say? I don't have nobody. I don't have nobody to help me. Well, the bottom line is you're the only one who can help yourself. I can't, I can't keep looking at people. i got to look to God and say, okay, Father God, come on the inside of me here and help me. Now, here's where we're at today. 
Is there things that are dominating your life? Are there things that are controlling your life? Things that you don't like about your life and and you continually gravitate toward them? Why don't you stand up with me? See, this is what's happened in my life. I look and there's things that, that I begin to realize, I don't want to keep going through this in life. If you don't want to hear the Lord saying, well, take some responsibility. Take some ownership. You know, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he'll get back up. He'll just keep getting back up. He'll keep getting back up. I, ha- I haven't read this yet. Actually, I'm probably going to do it. And I really sense this in my heart. I haven't read this, but I'm going to read it next week for sure. One of the men in our church, he's here. And I'm not going to embarrass you. Just wave your hand. He's way back there in the back. He gave me this letter. And this was a prophecy that was spoke over him on Sunday, May 10th, 1987. While he was in prison. And there was a vow that was said... That you'll never go forward in life until you forgive your mother of everything she's done. And I looked, and, and, and I haven't read it it's next week. You want to hear the letter? Come next week. But I know in my heart that there was stuff that he wasn't treated right. There was stuff that we could all look and say, you... You should be able to be mad at her. You should be able to to judge her with what she did. I don't know what she's done, but evidently she's done something. But see, I can't live that way because Jesus himself said to us in Matthew 5, 44, He said, bless those who persecute you, even if it's your mama. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And so if I want to really, 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 really live the blessings that Jesus told me, i got to do what Jesus said. There's no shortcuts. There's no exemptions. And so even in Andy's life, there's times i got to look and I think, what they did to me wasn't fair. But I'm going to choose to go on in life. I'm tired of living by the pool. Bow your head with me. You may be here today.